So um, we are in the, the third part of our, of our series. Can somebody say, this is we? We've talked about this is me, where Pastor Martin spoke about who we are as individuals and how it's extremely important for us to figure out who we are. That way we don't mess other people up once they get hooked up and attached to us, right? Then we've had conversation regarding this is, uh, this is us. Um, no, no, now we're going to talk about this is we, which now you have figured out who you are. And now God can trust you enough with his people. A lot of times in relationships where they fall short, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a perfect person, because what I'm going to teach today, I've messed up there before. I've destroyed some relationships. There are some relationships that I know that I can fix. There are some relationships that are in limbo. Can we talk this morning? I know it's cold outside, but can we like at least fake like, like right? So I know that I've done some things. So I don't, I, want, I don't want you to hear my voice, but I want you to hear the heart of God. I want you to hear the Holy Spirit on behalf of your situation. My job this morning is to make the Word of God extremely applicable. I love telling stories, so that's all I'm going to do. I say this all the time. The Word of God is literally just a whole bunch of stories that a lot of people are trying to make irrelevant. They're trying to say, because it happened thousands of years ago, it's not applicable today. But I think the reason why that is is because a lot of people, we don't want any jurisdiction over our relationships. We don't want any parameters over our relationships. We don't want any guidelines over our relationships. We don't want any judgment in our relationships. We don't want anybody touching the deep, dark, nasty, gross, gummy parts of our lives. But then when we're on the gram and we're on Facebook, we want everything to look good when everybody else has a mask in front of them that's happy, but behind them they're broken and they're destroyed. So you can have people sitting on your row right now that can fake like their marriage is working. You can have young people that are faking like college is working out. You can have dads faking like they have real relationship with their sons. But when they go home, when they go to, can I talk to you? When they go home, when they go to work, when they get in that quiet place, everything starts to fall and unravel. But I want to encourage you this morning to let you know one thing, that God wants relationship for you. There are two things that I believe. Number one, if you're here, that means that you're here for a specific purpose. Amen. And the second thing is that in the word, we hear it 17 times where God, prophets, the Holy Spirit says that it's not good for man to be what? So that means if you're doing life alone, you're doing it wrong. We live in a place where we believe like, oh, I, I, I got me. I heard this a couple, couple months ago. It's like, I got me. If nobody else got me, I got me. But I know in my life, the places where I've only had me have been the darkest. Anybody say amen to that? Not amen like you're right, but like, bruh. The places where I had to get myself, the the, the places where you had to throw up that prayer, God, if you can get me through this one. I know I'm talking to maybe like three or four people because you probably prayed that prayer before you got here this morning. So let me just talk to y'all. All All y'all that are faking, I'm cool. But there's some real people that want to learn how to do relationships right this morning. And that's who the Holy Spirit is going to talk to. Because I'm the most unimportant person on this stage. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to you this morning, but you got to break up the fallow ground. So lift your hands and say, God, break up the fallow ground in me. You, sir, that looks like you sleep, raise up your hands. Yes, sir, you. Raise, like, break up the fallow ground in me, God, because I can't afford to come to church anymore and hear a great word and then go out there my life looks like trash. So, God, you know what? I'm done playing games today. Like, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done being in these relationships where I'm pouring and it seems like I never feel the other person. And what I'm going to get to at the man, this is so good. What I'm going to get to at the end of my sermon is that there are some people that you do not have the capacity to fill up. 
that God is the only one that has water that will make you never have to what? Thirst again. So your job is not to make somebody, your job is not to fill somebody up. Your job is not to maintain your relationships. Because God made it very clear in Genesis 1. He said what to Adam? He said, you know what? It's not good for you to be alone. But there are some things that he gave Adam before he gave him a person. That's another sermon, but can I give them to you? The first thing that he gave Adam was what? Place. He said, this is Eden. I want you to name all the animals. I want you to, I want you to take care of all. Thank you, Lord. I want you to take care of all, of all the vegetation, all the fruit, all that stuff. If you meet people and they're not working on anything, they are not qualified to be related to you or linked with you. The second thing that he gave him was provision. What I want to tell you this morning is that God does not supply for plans that he didn't make. So relationships that you have made by yourself and you want God to come into that thing, it's impossible. The boyfriend that you have made covenant with outside of God, God cannot bless it. It's not that he doesn't want to. It's like he physically cannot. Man, somebody's going to get this this morning. God cannot bless relationships that he did not start. Let me rephrase that. God will not bless relationships that he did not start. After he gave him provision, he gave him parameters. He said, okay, now that I've given you all of this stuff to name, there's some things you can't eat. He said, he said there's, there's some fruit you can eat. He said there's one fruit. He didn't say some, just one. You have everything else in the garden and just one. And a lot of times, God gives us so many other options in relationships, and we choose the worst one on purpose. And we question why we have these symptoms of being toxic on the inside, but we keep eating this forbidden fruit with this one bad relationship, and we get done with all the other good relationships because this apple looks better than the other fruit. And then instead of blaming ourselves for being dumb and making dumb decisions with people, we blame the fruit. But the fruit was toxic before you bit it. Sweetheart, he wasn't worth nothing when you met him. So you cannot expect him to be worth something after you meet him. Your business partner was terrible with money when you met them. But you decided to go into business with him to print the product and to put it on sale. And now you're the one doing all the work. Can we talk today? Have I broken the ice enough for you? Are we good? That's not my sermon, but now we'll, we'll get into the sermon. All right, you ready to take some notes today? Let's do it. Here it is. It's the dream team. Pastor Linnell has another title, and she says it all the time. Get it right and keep it tight. Get it right, keep it tight. We have so many people that are easily easily influenced by the people that are around them. We have so many people that love God, can worship, can pray, and heaven comes down, and they suck at relationships. Me and some of the homeboys, like, we'll be, like, walking down the street, and we'll be talking to a young lady, or um, other, uh, my sister will be with a couple other girls, and they'll be talking to a young man, and they always ask the question, like, why aren't you in a relationship? Why are you single? Right? And you, you, you can start to think that somebody on the outside looks fit to be connected to. But God made a spirit man first and flesh second. So we have control over the flesh. So we can make this look how we want it to look. Yeah. 
But the question is, what does your spirit look like? Because what you attach yourself to in relationship isn't this. It's this on the inside. You ever got a present that was beautifully wrapped in trash on the inside? Like, oh, my God, it's beautiful, it's golden, and then you open it up, and you're like, oh, an avocado, right? <laughs> and sometimes the best gifts don't even come wrapped at all because the person giving the gift knows your soul. In your relationships, do the people know your soul? Write that down. Not your favorite color, not when your birthday is, not when your shoe size is, but do they know your soul? the innermost parts of who you are, the underlining DNA of what makes you you. Because if that doesn't match with the person, it will never work. I know you don't want to hear that in church, that God can apply grace and mercy over everything. But what did I say before? God only applies grace to plans that he started. It's mighty quiet in here. God only applies grace to the relationships that he starts. So here we go. Man. So I got 10 questions for you. I'm going to give you the meat and potatoes before I give you the bread. You ever been to a restaurant and you get bread and you get full? And you're like, like, where's Texas Roadhouse? Like, I don't want no more rolls, bro. Where's the steak at? Here we go. Here are 10 questions that you need to ask yourself in every single one of your relationships. And as I'm teaching, I want you to look back at these questions and literally write down the names of the people that are the closest to you. And this is another thing. Don't lie to yourself. You can lie to people. That's great. But the minute you lie to yourself and you accept your own ignorance as truth, now we're in a problem. Oh, it's going to be good today. It's all going to make sense in a minute. Here we go. You ready? Somebody say question number one. The first way you can figure out if a, if a relationship is good for you is this. Ask the question, does this relationship help you? If the first answer to that question is, well, no. Because you want to know something about God? God doesn't change conditions in people. He changes the conditions around them. So when you're in bad relationships and you ask God, God, I just wish that this person would see me correctly. God can't change that. Husbands, wives, you, I want my husband, God, I just want you, I, I, want, I, want, I want my husband to see me right. God doesn't just turn it on and your husband like, oh, there she is. What has he done? What does he do? He gives you a destructive environment to see each other through. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Or are y'all just quiet because I'm like, like touching the sore? Is that what it is? Oh, perfect, because I'm, I'm, we're going to be there all day. <laughs> Second question, write this down. Does the relationship chastise you? Not beat you up, but does the relationship allow you to get away with things that you shouldn't be able to? Number three. Does your relationship judge you? We live in a generation, we live in a time now where people are afraid of judgment. And judgment basically takes what you've done and it weighs it against what? A standard. So people that are afraid to be judged have no standard. If you, if you do not believe in anything, you'll fall for everything. Don't judge me. Okay, that means that you don't live your life by a code of ethics or morals or values. Number four, four questions. Question number four. Do they support you with no need of reimbursement? There are so many people in this Christmas season that are going to give the biggest gift and go into debt just so that they can say that they were the one to give it. Not even because they love the person. Look what I got you. Yeah, that was me. 
No, I'm going to throw the party. You don't even like her, but you want to throw the party so that people think that you're better than what you are. Ladies, raise your hand. Y'all know that one girl that's really cute, that has the friend that's not as cute? And they keep that person around? And they always feed them false modesty? Like, no, girl, you're, you're cute. No, it's not because she thinks you're cute. It's because she thinks she's better than you. And she's not as good as she can be without you, so she needs something. Are we good this morning? We all right? We sleep? We got too much turkey in our system? Thanksgiving was like two weeks ago. We all right? Somebody say, I'm all right. All right, don't, don't look at me in that tone of voice then. Here we go. Question number five. Do you make each other better with little effort? Relationships that you have to make happen are not worth it. Because sometimes we want relationship with people that it's not even a fit, so then we get upset with them for not wanting to be friends with us, but God never designed us to be in relationship. Well, you don't, you're just selfish, and you, you, know, you just have like this frozen group, and you don't, you don't want to hang out with nobody. It's like, I don't even know. I don't, it's not that I don't like you. It's just what you bring to the table it doesn't mix with what I'm trying to make. You're bringing ingredients for a cake, and I'm making pasta. Like, I love you to death, but as far as what I'm about to eat, I don't want cakey pasta. So, so cho choose your people based off of the ingredients that they bring to the table so that you're not eating mess. For some of you, that was like whatever, but some of y'all hit you right in the face. Because some of y'all are eating trash food because your ingredients don't match with the other people that you're in relationship with. Okay, question number six. Do you deal with conflict easy? If you deal with conflict and it's a problem, it is a toxic relationship. I, I'm not, I love a lot of people like, oh, it's tough love. Tough love is when both of you know your parameters and you never cross a line. But if you're in a relationship and the person intentionally crosses a line on purpose over and over, I want you to ask yourself, if you had a baby girl or, or a son and somebody kept pushing them on the playground, would you tell them, no, just turn the other cheek multiple times? You only got four cheeks. After that, what are you doing? Here's, here's, write this down. Write this down. Write this down. Write this down. This is, this is, if you don't get anything from these questions, this is it. Conflict is inevitable. But combat is voluntary. If you walk into relationships thinking that everything's going to be straight and that the season of your relationship is going to go your entire life and that nothing bad is going to happen, you've automatically already failed. Conflict is inevitable. That's the reason why you're here. If there was no conflict, this room would not have people in it. That's the only reason why you exist is to fix a conflict. That's inevitable. But fighting... Passive aggressiveness, saying something but having something as an undertone so that the person feels you but not communicating it so that you don't talk for years and years and years and then you figure out it was something really dumb that it was really their fault but they want you to apologize but it's not your fault, that's a choice. Thanksgiving tables looked a little bit different this year because some people had uh, uh, just dumb combat. I haven't seen them since 78. Well, why are you frustrated? I don't know, but she pissed me off. So... They can't eat turkey with us? They're family. Because then that proves that they weren't really family. If the conflict that you had with somebody, you can't remember it anymore, but you still have feelings attached to it, it wasn't important. Okay, number seven. Is communication difficult? It's just, it's just so, can you turn this down just a little bit, please? It's just so difficult to communicate with you. 
If you've done all your due diligence, you know the person, and you allow God to pick the person, your communication styles always work. God said what? Whatever I bring together may no man separate. So if you bring something together, it has the ability to be separated. That's a marriage. That's a relationship. That's in your job. That's if you take the wrong class and you have the wrong professor. I'm good at math. Yeah, but you got the wrong professor. I tell students all the time, don't get frustrated with not getting into UNO. A lot of people want to go to UNO so they can, like, prove to people, oh, I made it. Go to Metro, pay a third of the price, and get ahead. We do the same thing in relationships. This relationship sucks, but if I can win this relationship, I can prove people that I went through something. For what? Number eight, can you, in your relationships, can you easily hide the ugly parts from them? If you are in relationship and you can easily hide what's going on with you, they're not dumb. You're just manipulative. Can I step into your house for a second? Is that cool? Sometimes we think people are dumb. As children, we think, oh, our par my parents have no idea. No. It's, I, I, I'm starting to get it. When parents have children, their blood is in you. It's not your blood. It's their blood. So when you're doing something, something on the inside of them is just like, my mom, so my mother, it's hilarious. It's the funniest thing. When my mother feels uneasy, she does this like, like, like I feel unkept. Like something, can I talk to somebody this morning? I feel, I feel something's, something's missing. Joshua, where you at? I'm on the way home. Because I didn't even tell you, but you know. And God gives us red flags because it's his blood that runs through our bodies. So you get into relationship with folks and you're like, something, some, some, something doesn't feel right. But I, I'm lonely, so I'm just going to run past these red flags and be in relationship. Any parents in the room, raise your hand. How does it feel when you try to fight that feeling of knowing something's wrong with your child? You feel responsible. Even though they did what they did, you feel responsible. So how much more responsible do you, feel, do you think God feels when you get into the wrong relationship? Like, what is she doing? Like, there, there's a timeline that I had for her, and she met this guy, or she met this girl, or she took this job, and not the job that I told her, that was paying less, but she would learn what she needs to learn down the road. So it's just like, sweetheart, say, somebody say unkept. unkept. We good? Number nine, do they force you to stay connected? A relationship that you can walk away from easily is not a good one for where you're going. We believe at Ambassadors Worship Center that we are all called to what? Purpose. So if anything that I'm doing does not align up with purpose, it's not worth it. Now listen, remember I, didn't, I did not say that it's not good to walk away from people. But if it's easy to walk away from them, that means that there was nothing heavy holding you there. Can we talk? If it's easy to let somebody do what they're doing and to move on, it's easy. Like, oh, I don't care. There was never any relationship there. Now, I'm not saying, hear me, I'm not saying that you don't need to cut people off. But if it doesn't hurt when you do it, the question is, what was it for? Why go to the gym if you don't sweat? Why go to the gym if, you don't, if you're not sore the next morning? Because you just wasted the, 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 the wait's time. Because the weights are probably like, dude, I need somebody to pick me up. Like, for real, not you playing. 
What's the point of coming to church if you don't leave sore? You might as well destroy your membership and just stop coming. Did you, hear, did you get that? It's like paying for a membership at the gym and not going. Or going and not getting what you paid for. Your entrance ticket is sitting down. You get sore when you leave out of this place and apply what you've learned. And the only way that you build a muscle is by tearing it over and over and over and over. But we're afraid to tear our relationships because we don't think that they'll be able to be built back together. Number 10, when the person in your relationship speaks, do you hear the voice of God? I think sometimes we confuse what grace is. I think sometimes we think that grace is like gravy, that God just pours over everything just without it. No. Uh -uh. God gives you grace in certain situations. God gives you grace. I have a certain grace with my father's relationship that I do not have in my mother's. And I wouldn't want the grace for my father's relationship to roll over into the relationship with my mother. So the question is this. When you speak to them, do you hear God or do you hear them? When you fall in love with someone, which is like a myth and a chemical imbalance, but when you fall in love with someone, because if, if you can fall in love, you can fall out, and that's an excuse. So do you love the person or not make the decision? That's a little nugget. Move on. When you fall in love with someone, there's a way that they talk to you, right? She's smiling. She's like, yeah, there's a way. And you feel something. You hear something other than their voice. And in a lot of the books, and a lot of the, can you turn this down? I've been a lot of feedback. Is it me? Oh, I'm, I apologize. I was wrong. Another thing in relationships, are you easy, easy to apologize when you're wrong? Write that one down. I apologize, Mike. That was me. In relationships, when you're communicating with somebody, it can sound, everything can sound perfect because you love the person. But the question is, afterwards, when they start speaking, do you still feel the same love you feel today that you felt 20 years ago? So the question is, when somebody's talking to you, do you literally feel God wrapping you up when they speak? Because that's what grace is. Grace is God putting his super on top of your natural. That's why we say we do everything, we say everything in love. Because sometimes what comes out of here is not going to be love. But God's grace on top of what I'm saying will not hurt you, but it will, it will help you. Y'all still with me? If you're with me, clap once. Okay, we're here. So you guys ready? That was just like relationships 101. Let's jump into it. We good? So let's talk about Gideon. I'm, 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 hopefully I can unbox this story in a way that you've never seen it before and give it to you how God gave it to me. Is that cool? So we know the story of Gideon by a couple of things, right? He calls him a mighty man of valor. They use pots to, like, take out an entire army. Um, he drinks water with them, and that's the way that he chooses them. And, but I want you to see in between the lines. Can you say that, see in between the lines? I, I, I want to I give you some points to look at this story from a different perspective because that's what relationships do. They help you see one object from a whole bunch of different ways around it. Because if it's just you, you only see it from one way. And you define it by what you see. But if you have people in community surrounding an issue, all of you can attack it. Is that cool? Okay, here we go. So the story of Gideon, we have the Israelites who are the descendants of the same Israelites that were taken out of Egypt with Moses. Then they were passed off to Joshua, right? 
Then we have Nehemiah and all these other prophets that lead the children of Israel. But the one thing that happens with them is that they keep doubting God on this journey. And every time they doubt God in this journey, God just hands them over to their enemy. That's point number one. The minute you doubt God, it's not that God leaves you. He just hands you over to whatever you're fighting so hard to keep. You want the bad relationship? Have it. So the children of Israel, like, God, why would you leave? It's the same story every time. Why would you leave us out here to die? We thirsty. We hungry. And God's like, keep your eyes on what's ahead of you, not where you are. Because if you're focused on where you are, I have to give you what you need for where you are. But if you keep your eyes for where you're going, I have to give you what you need for when you get there. It's like when you're driving in the car with your kids and you got, like, peanuts. You're like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry now. I'm hungry now. It's like, just wait. We're on our way to get some food. But I'm hungry now. Fine. Then you give them peanuts. And they get full of the peanuts. And then once you get to the restaurant, they can't eat because they ate what they wanted in the moment and not what you were preparing them for. So we take relationships that we want rather than the relationships that God is preparing us for. The big C word for the day is convenience. So you cut off your season of isolation because you want some people around you. And God's saying, I'm still working on you privately, but since you don't want what I got for you later on, I'll give you your insecurity in a person now. Here we go. So God delivers them into the hands of Midian because of their own disobedience, a disobedience. The Midianites at this point, they were capturing any crops that were produced by the Israelites. There are a couple of different war tactics that are used when you basically don't want to destroy the land, but you want them to surrender. One of them is by killing the king. Another is by poisoning the water. But a third is by destroying the resources around them. So every time that the Israelites would, would, would go to um, harvest their grain or to harvest the grapes or whatever they had in that time, the Midianites would just come and steal them. They wouldn't kill anybody. They would just steal it and leave them. And if you plant enough seeds over and over and over and over and over again, and somebody keeps taking it over and over and over again, at some point, you can psychologically believe my only job is to plant this seed for somebody else. So you can believe in relationships. My job is to make this person better for somebody else, but I don't deserve to be in relationship with them. I know it's heavy. I know it's heavy. <laughs> I don't deserve you, but I'm going to make you a better person for the next person. Because I'm okay with my heart being broken in this relationship, but you're going to be golden for the next girl or the next guy. Or I don't deserve you as my employee, but I'll give you the skills to go to the next job. And what I want to come into the, like, I, I just, just want to come in between that because God wants every relationship that he makes for you, it's for you. No relationship that God introduces you to is not for you. Let me put it another way. No relationship that God presents you with is, good, is too good for you. Because God will never present you with something like that. He'll give you something that's more than you think you, that you can bear. But he knows that you can bear more. Is that good? Because we read that scripture wrong. God will never put on me more than I can bear. What? Step into my shoes today. Because what I'm carrying, I feel, you know what I'm saying? God said, I'm not going to put more on you than you can bear. Because you don't think you can, but I know what your capacity is. Good parents put more on their kids than they think they can bear to see if they can handle it. But since you created them, like, oh, yeah, you can do 10 more pounds. 
No, you got 10 more. I'm tired. No, I made you, so I know what's in you, sir. I made you, so I know what's in you, and I know who you need around you to do this. So I, you need some, you're the type of person that needs somebody that's not going to be friendly to you, but is going to wake you up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Dude, where you at? Man, he's not very friendly. Well, what do you want? Because I got people in a list that I could be giving the same advice, and they would give me a better yield of my investment. So what do you want? Look at your neighbor and say, what do you want? Y'all ain't going to blame me today. This message, you are not going to be able to leave and say, oh, AWC. No, because you're going to... It's me. Because <laughs> it's all about us doing what we need to do. Amen? Is this making sense? Like for real? Okay. Here we go. Let's actually get into the word now. So after we see all of the issues that are happening with the Israelites, God sends a prophet to the Israelites, and they basically say, y'all messed up. That's why y'all getting your buck kicked right now. He's delivered you out of slavery like seven times, and you're back in slavery. So what do you want to do? It's the same cycle. Until you figure out your relationships, you'll always be in the same cycle. Different people, same cycle. Different situation. You can move. <laughs> the funniest thing is when people try to move from where they are, where God planted them, and then they're faced with the same issues in the new place. That's like the funniest thing to me. Like, no, I'm moving to Atlanta. I'm moving to L.A. Listen, I'm going to New York. I'm going to start over, and God's like, oh, so you're leaving? Let me take the same insecurities and bring them to New York. And then when you get off the plane, you're like, bruh, again? Yeah, because you didn't deal with it. You cannot run away from the kingdom of God. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, here we go. This first point. Doing the right, say, doing the right thing in the wrong place. One more time. Doing the right thing in the wrong place. In Judges 6.11, we find Gideon, who was supposed to be this mighty man, we find Gideon doing one thing, threshing wheat in a wine press. He's threshing wheat in a wine press because he's afraid that if he goes out and tries to harvest in the daytime, that the Midianites are going to do what they've always been doing, just come and just take everything. So he's threshing wheat in a wine press. A wine press is made for wine. And he thinks it's the wrong place, but that's the exact place where God needs to meet him. So sometimes you can be doing the right thing in the wrong place and think that you're out of sync. But God is saying you're in the right place. You have just seen it incorrectly. Do you guys know what threshing means? You do? Um, it's like when you take a sifter and you put hops or hemp or wheat in it and, and you shake it around and you do what? Throw it up in the air. Then it drops. Throw it up in the air, then it drops. And as you do that, all of the dead stuff around the wheat gets taken away by the wind. Did anybody get that in the spirit? So when you take your relationships and you sift them and you throw them up, the wind represents the breath of God, where he can take away all of the stuff that you don't need and then it drops back. And then you're like, man, my relationships aren't working anymore. God, shake it up. Thresh, throw it up. The wind comes. So then at the end, you have something that you can actually eat. So Gideon is in the wine press doing what he's not supposed to. In the wine press, you're supposed to put welch, grapes down. You're supposed to make welches with your feet. But he's doing the wrong thing. I mean, doing the, wrong, the right thing in the wrong place. 
The word of God says that train up a child in the way of God, right? And he'll never like stray away from it. We think that straying away from it is doing the opposite of what you're taught. That's not true though. Straying away from it means that once I have planted the kingdom inside of you, you can't take it out. Now what you're doing is you're making a choice not to listen to it. So I taught my child not to drink. I taught my child not to sleep around, whatever. Them doing that is not them straying away from the will of God. Because the will of God is on the inside of them. So I got to go here. So when your children mess up, they have not strayed the will of God. Because if you've done what you need to as a parent, the will of God is already in them. So as a parent, you can say, I know what you did. And I know what you're probably going to do tomorrow, but God's plan has never stopped. That's why you can get in relationships that take you off of the course that God had from you, for you, and God can still say, I'm still going to use you. I was just waiting for you to finish. So he's threshing wheat. I want you to get this. He's threshing wheat in the wine press to get them away from him. Sometimes you can think that you're in the wrong place, but it's exactly where God needs you to be hidden from distraction. He's doing the right thing in the wrong place, but he's, you have to think about it as he's like in a colander, like, like, a, like a cylinder, threshing wheat in fear. He thinks, he thinks that he's doing the right thing in the wrong place, but God is like, you're exactly where I need you to be because nobody can see what you're doing. Before God gives you relationship. He gives you isolation to work on you. Write that down. But we skip the isolation because we're lonely. If Gideon would have given up that part of the story, God, I'm, I'm afraid I need to be with people, he would have missed out. And once he met the people that God needed him to have, he wouldn't have been developed enough in himself to work alongside them. So when you're by yourself in isolation, it's not that God wants you to be alone because you're still all one. He just says, there's some things you need to take care of by yourself because I can cover you. If, you. if you don't deal with this stuff by yourself and you meet somebody else, I can't cover you because now it's been exposed. Can I be like real? When I was dealing with the whole masturbation pornography thing as a young kid, right? There were times where you, you get, I'm so glad that I always, I've never not been caught in anything that I've ever done. I've always been caught, always been caught. That's the grace that my parents have, that, it's grace that God has put on my parents to always get caught all the time. And it's not that I don't do anything to get caught anymore. It's just, I'm just so glad that they caught me and that they didn't catch me. Can we unbox that just a little bit? Some of you are saved by grace. Grace is not mercy. Mercy is where it's everlasting and everything works. Grace is the covering Grace is a shield around you where God allows you to do your dirt, but he, it, it's nobody else's business. So in family series, the thing is, y'all might be dealing with somebody that just murdered somebody in your house, but guess what? It's your business. doesn't matter how big the crime is. God gives you grace over what's going on to protect you. Because the thing that God wants you to understand is once you are exposed, I can't do anything about that. I can't wipe everybody's memory to forget what happened. So say this, deal with it within your four walls. You gain nothing by exposing the people you love to people that don't even like your family. How do you look taking dirt from your house to other people 
and then being frustrated when they don't like your people afterwards. One of the biggest things that my Uncle Kevin and Aunt Denise tell me, I'm not married yet, but I'm married, ready to be, anyway. They say, they've said this multiple times, what you see as a big problem with your marriage is an inconvenience. If you share that and expose your husband, your wife, or your significant other with your family members that only see them once a year, they will only see what you told them years ago. So God wants us to understand the reason why you're in, is this good? The reason why you're in the wine press is because it's covering. It's my grace. It's where you can fail and nobody sees it. It's where you can mess up and sin and sleep with somebody over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. But I cover you so when you step out of that, you can say, like, no, I'm born again. So it's about, it's about protecting your story. What is the story you want to tell people when they ask you? And is it going to be honest? That's what grace provides. It's a covering. Does that make sense? Okay, we'll move on. So this is the second point. Write this down. What you deserve may not match who you think you are. What God wants to get to you may not match what you see in the mirror. Sweetheart, the man that you know, you don't think you deserve him. But he's probably, he may not match what you think he's supposed to look like. The business partner that takes your business like to like this crazy level or the advisor that you can't stand may be the person that God needs you to be in relationship with so that you can get out of college in two and a half years rather than four and a half wasting your parents' money. So when we look at Judges 6.12, after he's in the, this, this wine press, God comes to meet him in the wine press. Sometimes God will come into the, your deepest, darkest place and you think, man, it's a terrible place. And God's like, no, you're exactly where I want you. So God comes and meets him. Oh, my God, this is so good. God comes and meets him, and, and, and the, the angel addresses him as what? You're a mighty man of valor. You're a mighty warrior. And Gideon starts to doubt God. Like, hold on. Time out. Who are you talking about? <laughs> Me? But this is the thing. God never talks to you as you are. He talks to you as you will be. God, like God doesn't exist in time, so he doesn't know you as you are. He knows you as he created you, which is perfect. So that's why if you're single, every day you wake up, you say, I am married. If you desire to be married. Yeah, good call. If you see yourself at a four-year university, you say it. I go to the University of XYZ. This is what I'm studying. If your marriage is not working, and I know it's so simple, but that we, God, our biggest and most greatest muscle is our mouth. My marriage is perfect. Well, it doesn't look like it. I know, but what I just said is that what I deserve doesn't always look like what I see. So my marriage is perfect. I know I got a, a, a 60% in this class, but I got an A. You still got to study, but you got to verbally say it first. <laughs> So the angel says to him, the Lord has called you a mighty man of valor. This is what I want to tell you. Who you are doesn't justify who God wants to bring to you. You might think that you're dirty. You might think that there's nobody that would want to be in relationship with, with, with me. There's nothing that I have to offer people that they would want to be in relationship with me. And God is saying, I don't care about who you are now because the person who you're going to be is going to attract those people. That's why we always have forward thinking. And this is another thing. Write this down. Denying what God says to you doesn't make it any less true. <laughs> You're mighty. No, I'm not. God's like, I don't know what we're doing. 
Parents, have you ever been like, argue, not arguing, but like your child's trying to argue with you over something that like you know? Like the, the sun is, is purple. What, what are we doing? Like why are we, go to your room. No, I'm just trying to prove to you I'm right. Like what do you, like why do we argue with people that are ignorant? Like there's no point. You're wasting your time. Here we go. Point number three. Once, once Gideon gets himself together, so get yourself together, he stops denying God. He, he realizes that he, he is what God has called him. God tells him a couple of things. So when the Israelites, right, going back, when the Israelites would be taken out of slavery or whatever, or when they, I'm sorry, when they were in slavery, they would do a couple of things. They would take all the gold and they would make a fatted calf or they would build an altar or they would build something else to worship rather than the God that delivered them from whatever it is. Sometimes God will deliver you from a bad relationship and you're good with him because he brought you out, but then you just go right back into the cycle of the other stuff. So what God tells Gideon, he says, hey, so if you're going to save these people, you got to destroy what they're worshiping. If you're going to save these folks, you, you got to destroy what's holding them captive. You can move to an, another relationship but still be a tied to the one that you just left. And what you've dealt with can literally manifest itself in other people. That's why God says you need to be a perfect person before you meet somebody else because you can corrupt other people. Because what happens when you join a relationship is that there's a covenant. So now what I am and who you are is us. That's where we're getting in this is us. We're in this is we right now, right? But who you are and who I am becomes together. So if I'm sick and you're sick, we're both sick. If, 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 if I'm ignorant and you're ignorant, like we both ignorant, just dumb, dumb. Pastor used to say that's, what, what did you used to say? That's uh, ignorance uh, having babies or something like that, right? If you're confident, sweetheart, and he's extremely insecure, and you come together, you automatically become secure, insecure. Because God created relationships that the husband is supposed to lead the relationship. Leading and submission are two different things. The word of God says that you both submit to one another, but somebody's got to lead. You can't have two. And the way that God made it, it's, it's the man supposed to teach, right? And it's, it's not a gender thing. And it's not a sexist thing. Like, God created it as it is, and it's written in stone. Okay, um, let, me, let me go. Everybody do this. Like, let me just, let me, let me get back. You cannot, you cannot love insecurity out of someone. You can't, you you cannot work laziness out of someone. You, you, you cannot speak inaudibility out of someone. Like, right? like if somebody's not communicating with you, speaking to them more in a louder tone and a slower pace does not make them want to talk. Meaning that once you've made the covenant with people, you have now locked the door for God to be able to intervene on your behalf. If you create the relationship without the grace of God, now you've shut the door and locked it, threw away the key, and God himself can't go in there. God is almighty, but God will never break his own law. God can do everything, but he will, he will not, not that he can't, but he will not break his own law. So the minute you get into communion with someone, and that person is insecure, now you're insecure. When you ask God, God, fix me on my insecurity, he can't because he doesn't have a key to the, house, to the house that you locked him out of. He won't talk to me. He won't communicate. And God's like on the outside, like, I, 
I fix houses from the inside out, not from the outside in. Because throwing on another layer of paint isn't going to deal with the dead bodies in the closet. So let me into the closet and we can bury those bodies. And the bodies are your insecurity, your inability to speak, feeling sorry for yourself, self-loathing, passing aggressiveness. Makeup doesn't make everything look pretty. Here we go. So this is the third point. Identify any false idols or altars and strip them down. Before Gideon could give him the armies that he promised him in the sixth chapter, he had to destroy the altars and the things that the people were worshiping. Before God can give you the people that you need, like my squad, this dream team that I'm going to get to, this dream team, before you can do that, you have to strip down the idols and the altars of what you're worshiping. One of the worst things is to be in relationship, and every time you're talking to them, it seems like they're talking to somebody else. Well, you X, Y, Z, and it's like, I, I'm not the last guy that broke your heart, so I'm not. And sometimes people get to this point like, well, I guess that's all you want, so I'll be him if that's what you want. Then it gets to the end of the relationship. You act just like such and such. Well, that's all you wanted from me. And God sent me into your life to give you what you wanted, but the only, the only ingredients you gave me were cake ingredients. So we made a cake, and now you don't want to eat it. So sometimes people give you back what you, what you presented to them. I can only be to you what you... You, you met me while I was insecure, so you just thought, like, oh, I'm married. Oh, I love myself. No. <laughs> that's, not, that's not how it works. So in our relationships, what do altars look like? Write this down. Altars in relationships are soul ties. It doesn't have to be physical. Um, we did a panel last Wednesday, and I shared how the first soul tie that I had to destroy was the soul tie that I had in my head of the perfect woman. Because every woman that I met, I matched her up against this woman in my head that didn't exist. A lot of us young people, and I'm going to talk to you, we don't go on dates and we don't want to start talking to somebody because they're not as good looking as the person in our head. Well, he doesn't smell, sound, she doesn't look like, she doesn't have the figure of who I see in my head. And God leads you by vision, but he manifests what he needs on earth physically. So the soul tie is an altar that you have to strip down because if you go into a relationship with a soul tie where you, you are now connected to this other person, and Dr. Jermon did an amazing analogy during our uh, sex soul ties and uh, single sex and soul ties where now if you tie, if you, if you have a piece of rope and the other person speaks a piece of rope, you tie another piece of rope to that, I have to deal with you through who hurt you. So if we're in a business and I'm saying, hey, we need to invest $1,000 in these T-shirts, you're going to be frustrated with me over $1,000 when your last partner lost 100 You don't even see the fact that we're investing 10 times as much. You're, af you're afraid of losing the money. Well, he's going to hurt me. Has he? Because God, in my Bible, it says that you're just like God and God uses his words, right? So you can literally create the climate for the calamity of your relationships. Oh, he's just going to end up hurting me. As soon as it comes out of your mouth, you have now given the universe the opportunity to make what you just said. We're never going to work through this. Well, I have, I have friends, like the minute I start to say something that's doubting, they're like, shut up! Or like they throw their hand over my mouth, and I'm like, appreciate you. Like, appreciate you, sorry. 
Say, I, I appreciate you because you understand that the words that come out of my mouth are extremely important. Some of other altars are bad relationships or obligated tethers. Sometimes we stay in relationships because we think we're supposed to be there. And the time in which we were supposed to leave has already passed, but we're just waiting it out. You ever been in a relationship with somebody that you can sense just doesn't want to be there? Like, you don't want to be here. Like, I used to play football. We used to have this guy on the team that would always, he would show up late, he didn't want to practice, and he'd get upset when he didn't play. And one day, coach, coach came to us, and he says, all of you that don't really want to play can go home. Right? And coach gets all these emails from parents, you kicked myself off the basketball team or football team. And coach was like, no, I just gave them the option to do what they really wanted to do. Some of us, we don't need to kick people out of our lives. We just need to release them to leave. Like, you don't have to be here. But I refuse to be locked up in this jail that you built. Just go. Will you hurt my feelings? Oh, that's the problem? Well, then let's talk about it. But don't stay here in jail soaking like, mm, mm. well, what's wrong? Nothing. Oh, okay. Oh, they, just, they don't even care. No, they don't know. Tell me what you're thinking. Because you, an adult would say, you hurt my feelings, this is why it hurt my feelings, and this is why it's frustrated. And if the person really loves you, they probably don't even know that they hurt you. This is probably what it sounds like. Oh, my God, Brother Damon, I'm so sorry. I, I apologize. And then they move on. Say, move on. If you are in relationships, you move on easily. If something happens and you stay in that place of being hurt with what happened, it's probably not a relationship that you need. Because most of the time, you're not frustrated with the person. You're frustrated with how you feel about what happened. It's not that you're mad that he lied. You're more frustrated that you created the environment where you could be lied to. Nothing used to slip past me. Nothing used to slip past me. I was always on my game. And then you fall asleep in relationships and go into this droning stage where you're a computer and a robot. And then God reminds you of who you are, and then you're like, what have I done with all the time and all these relationships? Y'all quiet. We good? You sure? Some people are like, no, we ain't good, but I ain't going to go nowhere because it's the truth, but I'm going to stay. But I ain't going to let you know I like it, but I'm going to stay. <laughs> so can I do a demonstration? DeForest, can you come, please? Daniel, can you come? I want to show you something. Can you stand right here? Can you stand right here? So in Judges 7-2, after they tear down the altars, God provides Gideon with the men that he promised him. Once he's dealt with himself, then God brings the person. So say, once I've, done with, once I've dealt with myself, then God provides. God will not provide for you if you've not dealt with what he gave you as homework. You don't get the $10 if you don't cut the grass. So when daddy comes home and the grass isn't cut, why are you, where's, where's my money? You didn't cut the grass. I cannot supply to you the blessing that I have for you if you haven't done what I told you to do. So in Judges 7, 2, God said to Solomon, you have too large of an army with you. At this point, he has 22,000 men. Say 22,000. Two. This is to say that this is 11,000 and you're 11,000. Gideon gets to the point, I mean, God gets to the point where he says, you know what, you got 22,000 men to defeat the Midianites, but that's too many people. 
This is gonna this is gonna bless somebody. Y'all been quiet, but this is gonna bless someone. You have too many. You have twenty two thousand people with you, but that's way too many. You have fifteen thousand friends on Facebook, but there's only like four of them that you really need. I'm gonna give you a filter to see past the clutter, and I'm gonna justify your relationships. So this is what the demonstration is. I, I want to show you something. This is you. Awesome, amazing by yourself. You're amazing. Can I get? Ooh, amazing. Awesome by yourself. This is every relationship. This is every relationship that you want. I want you to tie yourselves together. What happens in our lives? No, not you. You're here. You're you're involuntary. You you stay there. What we do is this. This is good. This is good. Here you go. Yeah, there you go. Come on. What we do is we tie ourselves up with people and we expect God to come in and give grace to this relationship. We, we, we tie ourselves to the wrong person and we expect God to cover up our problems. We build the house, we frame it, Foundation, put up the walls, the roof, lock the key, and expect God to break in and cover us. But if you make the tie, if you link yourself up with people, go ahead, step out. Go ahead, step out. At, no, no, you stay in there. At any point in time, you can choose to abandon the relationships that you make leaving them with the stuff. Leaving them with the garbage that you brought. That relationship didn't work, so who's next? And now what you have done is replicated the brokenness inside of yourself in somebody else that God had a plan for before they met you. There are some kids you don't want your kids playing with. It's not necessarily because they're a bad kid. It's just that one thing that Johnny does down the street, if you ever do that, I'm going to kill you. So what I do is I create what? Isolation. Growing up, there were certain people's houses I could play ball with in front of the house. But when it came time, I couldn't even get a drink of water from inside. I need to use the restroom. Well, you better run home. But I'm going to mess on myself. Well, run fast. <laughs> if you run fast enough, it'll leave a trail. You won't get wet. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> So we get into these relationships, go ahead, and we get tied, we get tied to these folks. And have you guys seen um, Wonder Woman? You remember? Like when she would lasso them and they'd be like, I don't know what happened. And then she would lasso them, he's on 12th Street and he has a gun. She, it's <laughs> truth, right? So if you're broken, now you're broken together. And if you do this long enough, it's impossible for you to remember how the relationship started, so you don't know how to get out. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. You don't know where the rope started, so you don't know how to get out. Like when your kids tie their shoes, and they're terrible at it, and they just keep tying knots, and knots, and knots, and knots, and it gets to the point, just cut the whole shoestring. We don't even. <laughs> this is what a lot of us look like in the room right now. Can I be honest? Yeah. I have relationships like this. 
where I am the victim and where I am the assailant, where I was immature in starting the relationship and I didn't deal with me before I met the person. And now the insecurities that I see in myself are now on this other person that God had a plan for before they met me. This is why we teach here at our church waiting and dating. Before you hook up with the person, figure yourself out, please. Because brokenness cannot be masked with sex. Because sex is not love. It is an act of love. Your stomach grumbling does not get you fed. It's just a sign of being hungry. You only become full once you eat. Young people, please listen to me. If I don't get to talk to your parents, they made their decisions. But I'm going to talk to you all raw. Is that cool? Just because he's the first guy that you met does not mean that he's the right one. Male and female, just because you were going through a rough patch and this person showed up and like, as the knight in shining armor does not mean that they're correct. Because another thing that God gives you in grace is he gives you a season. Say season. season. That person was there to help you, not to hook you. But you decided to get hooked up with somebody that God sent to help you. You decided to wrap yourself up with somebody who was only supposed to come to give you something and leave. And now that you have connected yourself with this person who was only supposed to be a help to you, now you're frustrated with them because you're not doing what you need to do for me. I thought everything was supposed to be working out in a relationship. And this person is saying, my job was just to be there for a season. A lot of the relationships that are not working in your life are because of who? You. But it's so much easier for us to throw up our psychological, like, bodyguard, like, you know, uh, uh, our, our spamware, like, nope, mm-mm, it's you. If every single situation that you're dealing with is the other person, I'm not looking at the other person. I'm going to start looking at you. Because then my question is, what is it about you since you're so perfect that keeps attracting all these other people you've got to keep cutting yourself off from? If you're so perfect, why doesn't it keep working? They're the common denominator. Because here at this church, we believe in responsibility, yes. self-control, yes. and self-government, yes. where I make the decisions I make, yes. not because you make me feel guilty. Right. I do this thing often, like when I'm late for rehearsal, I'm like, guys, I'm sorry, I'm late, I'm wrong. And the team would be like, no, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's not fine, I'm late. Right. We live in a generation where something is blatantly wrong, and we say, no, it's fine. Right. Oh, right. Or, 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 or my favorite, we, we say, well... This person's bad, but at least I could, I could be hooked up to somebody worse. So this is the level of terrible. You're not terrible, Daniel. I love you. This is, I, I can deal with this. Oh, I'm glad that you're shorter because this is a perfect analogy. I can deal with this much insecurity. You're not insecure. You're a strong man. That's what you were. Yeah, you got it. Right. You already know who you are. Great job, Dad. I can deal with this much. Step out, please. But what happens when you read the right person? at the wrong time. Thank you, Daniel. Our height symbolizes that we're both on the same level. We're both chasing after God. We both have our priorities straight, but neither one of us knows who we are. So you can, re you can meet the right person at the wrong time. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth, right? The yeast of the earth, right? Yeah? Well, sometimes yeast can get old, and when you throw it in bread, the bread doesn't rise. 
So God can say, you are the yeast of the earth, but you can be dead yeast. I'm yeast, so I can take over anything. No, you're dead yeast, so it's going to take you over. God even said it this way. He said, there's some salt that has no taste. And what do you do with that? You throw it on the ground. It's still salt, but it doesn't have its what? Saltiness. Thank you. Your impact, your impact and your identity are two different things. Thank you, guys. Your impact and your identity are two different things. That's why you can be a child of God and still be powerless. That's why somebody can be in the NBA and be trash. You, you're in the NBA, but you, 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 you're terrible. Are we good? Was that a good analogy? Have you, today, have you kind of been able to identify some of this stuff? Okay, let me wrap up. Let me get you out of here. Somebody say hook up. The dream team. Here we go. So Gideon, he says, you have too many in your army. I can't turn Midian over to them like this because they're going to say that they did it. Sometimes God has to, oh my God, sometimes God has to take your starting 50 on your team and reduce it to three so that when you beat what God placed in front of your crew, you can't say it was all because of y'all. Because if all 50, because he, he said, if, if all 22,000 of y'all take over the Midianites, you're going to be able to go back to the Israelites and be like, hey, we bad. But if only 300 of you kill a million men, there ain't no way you could say it was you. So sometimes in your relationships, God creates the criteria of how they happen. That's how when somebody marries who they're supposed to marry, when they ask, like, how did you find her? Bro, I don't even know. I don't even know how I found her. Like one day I looked up and God was like, there she is. And it was just because those are the best relationships because like, how'd you get here? I have no idea. Because if I don't know how to get here, I don't know how to leave. If you find a nation in relationship, you can choose to leave because you know the way to leave. But if God shows you the way, you're blind the whole way because you should be working on yourself the whole time. So by the time you look up, you're like, hey, she's she kind of cute. So this is what he says to Gideon. He says, anyone who is afraid, anyone who has any qualms at all, may leave the Mount Gilead. That's, that's where they are, where they're figuring it out. They eat breakfast before they go fight. Eggs, grits, and bacon. And you don't put sugar in grits? That's like sacrilege. I don't. It's butter and salt. If you want porridge, eat porridge. If you want oatmeal, eat oatmeal. Don't you put no sugar in those. Okay. So he says to them, he says, any of you that are afraid... Any of you, listen up, any of you that are afraid, any of you that are scared, any of you that don't want to be here, y'all can leave. And you know what happens? I'm sorry? Oh, okay. Sugar my grits. <laughs> I lost it. No, so he, so he asks them, he says, any of you 22,000 that are afraid, because we're about to go into war, and if God has a purpose on your life, which I know he does because you're here, Amen. What you're here to take over is going to be bigger than you are. So it's better for you to cut off the people that are afraid of what you're going against than to be fighting it and then be abandoned. So Gideon says, any of you that are afraid, leave. Out of the 22,000, half of them leave. So out of the 22,000 friends on Facebook, Instagram, phone, people's phones, uh, numbers in your phone book, 
half of them leave just based off of fear. Which means a couple of things. It means that what's inside of you intimidates some people. And they would think it would be better me to be connected to you than to fight against you. So I'll be your friend out of convenience. This is when your enemy lays in bed with you. Because they know if I'm in my other camp, I can't know the plans. But if I'm sleeping with them, they're going to tell me everything through pillow talk. Write this down. Do not share intimate information with unintimate people. Not a sexual thing, but who is in your bedroom? Because nothing beats pillow talk. Nothing beats that, per- that moment when you were extremely vulnerable. They can tell you anything. Who have you let into the holy of holies of who you are, your soul, who is steering your ship? 22,000 leave. This is the first point. You have too many people with you. People will disqualify themselves in relationships. If you allow people to disqualify themselves, they'll never be able to point the finger at you. They might say it, well, they hurt me, but you know. You ever met a liar before? They can lie all day. They can lie, 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 lie. But like when they're in the shower washing their face, hopefully, when they're washing their face, they know that they lied. That's what God worries about. We get so worried, I need that person to know that they lied. I need everybody to know I was telling the truth. And God's like, no, they know that they lied. That's enough. So if somebody disqualifies themselves, they know it. So when you walk away, they can't say, you're a bad friend. Like, no, you were just unqualified. Yeah, we're good? Okay. It's not that they're not good for you now. I mean, it's not that that they're not good, period. It's just like right now, they're not good for you. 22,000 warriors and half of them left. Just because they left, it didn't negate the fact that they were warriors. Can I have two more minutes? Even though they left, it doesn't mean that they forgot how to fight. It just means with the friends that you have right now, these are the friends you need for this battle. That's what we call seasons. Because if you got the wrong people in your corner, in the wrong fight, you always lose. And if you are ever sidelined in a relationship that's made by God, you're not really being frustrated. It just means, okay, what they're going through right now, they don't need me. But if we're in a relationship, they're going to call my number at some point. Cutting people off doesn't necessarily mean that you are separating yourself from them and I don't need you. It's just where we're going, you got to be able to swim and you can't swim. Where we're going, your, poisonous, your poison tolerance has to be through the roof. And you don't put no seasoning in your chicken, so I know you can't go. I'm playing. It's not the fact that they weren't warriors. It was just that they were the wrong type for what God wanted to do with Gideon. Number two, in Judges 7, 4 through 5, God said to Gideon, okay, there's still too many of them. He says this. He says, okay, take them down to the stream, and uh, if I tell you somebody will go, they'll go. And if I tell you somebody's going to stay, they'll stay. God creates the criteria. God chooses when the people leave out of Gideon's life because people will always blame you for something that's their responsibility. But if God truly is the one leading it, it just is what it is because God will never lead you into a place that he cannot get you out of. It's impossible. Here's the third point. It's not a no, it's not right now. Judges 7, 5 through 6, God said to Gideon, everyone who laps with the tongue the way a dog laps, set on one side. God tells them, okay, take all of the men you have left, it's 11,000 men, take them all down, 
and drink some water. The men that put their face in the water, they can go home. But the men that kneel down and use their hand to drink the water, those are the ones that stay. This is the final point that I have for you this morning. In the relationships that God is wants to give you, the right husband, the right wife, the right boyfriend, girlfriend, the right platonic friend, just a friend, the homie, business partner, whatever it is, the one that God wants to give you, he gives you grace to destroy this stuff. So that all you have to remember by it is just a reference, but you're not carrying it around with you. When the men went to, when, when the men knelt in front of the water, it showed them, it showed Gideon that I'm not so thirsty that I'll dunk my head in the water. But I got your back enough that I can get what I need and still have your back. So I want you to think about that today. Who do you have in your party that can get theirs but still have your back at the same time? Who's not drinking water like this with their head in the water, but drinking water like, hey, watch out for that. I don't, I don't think she's the right one. Are you sure? Because God only wants relationships that can help you. And the biggest part is that you're supposed to win in relationships. Amen? Thank you so much for tuning into this week's message. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you are interested in not missing any other videos that we upload, make sure to click the subscribe button down below. Also, if this message has impacted you in such a way, you can also click the link down below to donate and to give to our ministries here at Ambassadors Worship Center. Anyway, thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.